Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we help artists thrive spiritually, artistically, and in business from a kingdom perspective. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey, friends, welcome to another edition of The Thriving Christian Artist podcast. So glad that you are with me today. I've got a brand new friend, fellow author, and uh, just so excited to get into his story today, Michael Duty. Michael, welcome, man, to the podcast. Glad you're here. Yeah, nice to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Every now and then I get interesting emails across my desk of, from publishers and that sort of thing that say, you got to check out this new project and consider having this guy on the on the podcast. And that was one of, uh, that was one of the emails that I got about you, Michael, and just uh, excited to tell your story. You've got a brand new book out that we'll be getting into called Canaan Found, which is, uh, I've got it right next to my bed. I'm getting started on it and excited. I'm always looking for a new great book to read. But for those folks that are just kind of getting to know you, uh, why don't you give us the quick thumbnail of who you are, where you are in the world, and then we'll kind of jump into a little bit of your uh, of your backstory. Well, I'm uh, currently retired. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Moved down here about six years ago. Um, I had a pretty long career as an architect, had my own firm with multiple state practice and and uh, did projects all over the nation. And um, we came down to South Carolina about, like I say, about six years ago. We decided yeah. uh, we relocated here from Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, where I had my firm. And I came out here and practiced a little longer with some local, uh, arch- uh, as a director of architecture, local firm. And then I finally retired about three years ago. Yeah. And since then, I've been, uh, I've uh, realized as most people do who, when they retire, all the time that they have to spend doing other pursuits. And some of my other pursuits, uh, I had many, yeah. one of which was writing. And I started writing back when I was still working as an architect um, and did released a book back in, uh, I guess it was 2016 or 17, my first book. And it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a look called Egg Crate Beginnings. Yeah. And it was it's just kind of a story of my life. Uh, such as it was, which was a little bit of journaling and a little bit of humor and a little bit of history and a little bit of observation on the, uh, the Lord's role in our life. Yeah. And then I followed it up and went entered the or, uh, uh, world of fiction with my latest work, Cain and Found. And uh, I've always been a storyteller. And so uh, I took my experiences in different states and different places and uh applied them to um, uh, to creating a fictional story, but the one that's based in ultimate truth, I think God's truth and human yeah. truth and explores human nature and was had a good time doing it. And it's uh, been awesome. well received. That's so great. I, I'm thinking, you know, when you talked about going from working life to retired life and the rhythm of, rhythm of that, my my in-laws, who we actually moved to Texas, where I was telling you earlier, I, we lived in Asheville for 13 years, very close to where you are now. And um, we moved out here to East Texas to be closer to my to my in-laws. And when my uh, in-laws retired, this has been, gosh, maybe 15 years ago. Um, I remember <laughs> my mother-in-law saying to my father-in-law, "Listen." I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch every day. She said, I'm not cooking three meals a day for you. And, and there was some there was some rhythm. He took up wood turning, you know, to kind of get some energy and get out of the house a little bit and that sort of thing. But 
there is a, a completely different rhythm to life in it when you're not going into an office and that sort of thing. I mean, was that was that difficult for you or is that a welcome transition for you or? Uh, it wasn't difficult at all. I mean, there are a lot of adjustments uh, uh, between uh, myself, well, between any anybody and their wife, but between myself and my wife. It wasn't a big adjustment, actually, because we've done everything. We've always done pretty much everything together. So yeah. when I was uh, so when I wasn't at work, no matter what we were doing, we were together, whether it was work, play, house home improvement or vacations, we pretty much did everything together. So it wasn't a big adjustment, but yeah. um, I was able to uh, uh, certainly enjoy the time that uh, the additional time, I guess, nine hours a day that now I had to redevote. And I I did. Uh, I, I I've always been a painter, oil painting. Wow. And so I increased my time in that to a large extent. Although I also decided it was time to put some of my musical interest to work, and I began studying the violin. So I take violin lessons, and um, I live on a golf course, but I don't really care that much about golf, except <laughs> I, like to, I like to play with my grandson. He likes yeah. to play, so we play once every couple of weeks. But other than that, it's uh, violin, writing, painting, and um, working and doing things with my wife. Yeah. And uh, it's been a great transition, and we're enjoying the time immensely. And I do not really miss the practice of architecture. Uh, nothing against it. I, I loved it. But it was kind of like, okay, did that. Now I'm going to do this. Yeah, the season's over. I mean, you can kind of feel that. So that's – Yeah. You know, I, I know you know this, Michael, but I think a lot of people can struggle with this when they move from working, you know, quote-unquote working life to more – of a retired life or even an entrepreneurial life, uh, which you're doing, you know, both of those, there's a, a level of intentionality. I think that we all have to bring to life when we're no longer working for someone or working in a real structured atmosphere. We're the ones that have to bring the structure to our creative practice. And it seems to me like, you know, you're someone that obviously had your own business for a lot of years, but, you know, had staff and lots of projects going on and that sort of thing. So there's maybe a a, a regimen to life. How have you began to br bring that into your creative practice now so that you're not waking up with that sort of blank canvas overwhelm? You know, I could do anything. I won't do any. I won't do anything, you know, because I can do anything. So what are you doing to kind of help bring rhythm to a life that's completely open now and, and up to you? Well, first off, historically, for the longest time, I guess 30 years, as the owner and uh, president of a firm, I was always, uh, my day and my time was always up to me. Of course, it was heavily influenced by sure. the needs of my clients, but I was always organizing my own time um, and not really necessarily jumping through hoops by others. And so, so I was comfortable with that. Um, now, after being retired, you know, the one thing that we all are e are given an equal portion of is time. And we each of us decide uh, how to spend that time. So um, it's a valuable, valuable resource, and we shouldn't take it lightly. Um, so as a retired person, I find that, you know, I found that my sense on how to organize my day was still intact. And I uh, went about my things in a rather uh, 
uh, steady, steady manner. I got up early and spent my day doing other things. It's kind of funny. I, I think I think tomorrow and I, th- I think ahead and I always plan my day. And I tell yeah. my wife when I get up, I, well, here's what I'm going to do today. And uh, I kind of outline all the different things that I'm going to do today. And, you know, about two thirds of the time, she reorganizes that for me a little uh, or adds to it. And right, sometimes right. sometimes it improves it, improves it, sometimes encourages it and sometimes derails it. But it's right. all it's all fun. And so it's kind of a you can plan all you want, but you've got to be willing to enjoy the discovery. Yeah. And so I kind of discover each day with a rough idea of what's to come. Yeah, I love that. I love that. There's always room for the little emergencies and little, you know, explanations. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's right. That's right. You I know, I that. can start the day and my grandkid will call and say, I want to I want to go fishing. And so I say, OK, we're going Let's fishing. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, but in the absence of any other input, I pursue the, all the things that I'm working on with a pretty regular basis. And um, it's great. I love it. Yeah. You know, God's word talks about, you know, doing everything we do as as under the Lord and um, talk about, you know, having your own architecture firm. And then now as as a writer, how is doing that under the Lord and involving his calling on your life and purpose for your life? How, how has that differed, you know, going from the, the working world to now into this uh, different season of life? And, and what does it look like for you to to walk with the Holy Spirit every day and, and involve him in the things that you're doing? Uh, creatively and, and vocationally. Yeah. Well, obviously, he's he's uh, the presence of the Lord in my life has been with me since, frankly, since the first grade mm. in one form or another. And um, uh, but I I I, uh, I began writing I think when I was still working as an architect. And I, I might back up and say I've always been a bit of a storyteller. Um, I like to do a lot of wilderness camping and backpacking, and I've done some guiding and horse trips into the wilderness and taking people. And so I've always been an outdoors person, and um, I found a lot of solace there and a lot of joy there. And the same thing's true for my wife. She joined me on all those trips. Hmm. Um, but uh, when I was working still, I I actually began riding, oh, 10 or 15 years ago, and I started two or three things, uh, books, if you will, outlines of ideas. But it was it was about in 2015 or so when I was still working. I, um, I, I started by writing my kind of writing my life stories. I was actually praying one time. And and I think during the prayer, I asked the question, you know, what can I do to serve you? Yeah. And it was funny. It was like, you know, how this how it happens. I mean, it was like I heard him say, or at least I heard the words, write your story, stupid. <laughs> and <laughs> and I thought my story and I thought, OK. And so I it was familiar with journaling and I was familiar with that. And I had even tried in the past to write down a little my story. But, you know, I didn't have a big enough ego to think anyone. Why would I be writing my story? And um, after that prayer, I I started writing again, writing the story, and I did it from the standpoint of revealing along the way how God had played a role in, in my life. And it wasn't vast. It's not a theological work. I didn't quote the Bible. 
I didn't pound anybody with a, a requirement. <laughs> I just said, here's what happened to me. And I had a, I had a great deal of fun writing it. And, um, uh, I found it very easily to get, easy to get published. Um, and then, uh, but, but it was still my story and I was limited, if you will, um, to that. And I had a lot more to say. Mm. So, um, my second book was I chose fiction, but again, I wanted to illuminate the presence, how the presence of God affects us in our life. And I, again, I didn't want to do it in a heavy handed way, but I, I wanted to do it in a manner that people could relate to and see in themselves and in others. Um, so uh, I wrote Cain and Found, and it's about a it's about a cowboy. I did a lot of cowboy in when I was in New Mexico. I'm 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 not a cowboy because in my word world, a cowboy is someone that earns their living on a horseback. I never right. really earned my living, but I did my share of um, 25 years actually of of horse packing and cattle working and recreational riding. And so, and met so many people that were important to me. And so they all played a role in developing my character uh, in the book. And um, I guess developing my character in reality as well as in the book. Yeah. The book's not about me. It's uh, fictional characters, but it's about a cowboy that, that um, uh, inherits a farm back in the Ozarks which is where he uh, he was born and um, uh, and he moves moves back and he uh, finds that this inheritance is a wonderful thing, but he also finds that it has responsibilities and he acquaints, he reacquaints some old friends and some, mm. and spends time with one of his best friends and he rekindles an old love and he's, and he, he kind of develops a new attitude about church in his life which he had always, he'd always enjoyed the presence of God, but he never was a particularly a churchgoer. And so he came to terms with his attitudes about that, had a mystery to solve, which involved a murder that went back to the forties. And um, oh, wow, I love it. <laughs> it's, uh, and he rekindled an old love from long ago because he had never married. Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of a four stories, maybe all intertwined, um, moving towards, um, towards the conclusion. And it's, um, it's about human nature and it's full of humor. And, um, and those who read it have, have said it was extremely funny and very illuminating and wanted to know when the next one's coming out. So no pressure, uh, right. Be fabulous again. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was when the first person said to me, even before it was fully released, they read it and they said, when are you going to do the sequel? And I thought, Gosh, I never thought about a sequel. I, uh, I'm you're way ahead of me. I said, let's just take this one day at a time. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. But it's been great fun, and um, and that's 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 how I've chosen. I think at least through writing, that's how I've chosen to um, share my view of the Lord, and uh, and the same time use that as a vehicle to tell funny stories and to play with human nature. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking as you're as you're talking um, about, you know, using fiction and using story. Obviously, Jesus did that in such beautiful ways to draw us into these stories that catch us off guard and and, and speak yeah. truth. And I, I think wasn't it C.S. Lewis that talked about, you know, we don't need more uh, Christian writers or, you know, we need more Christians who are writing great literature, you know, and and um, I'm just I'm wondering how you 
have uh, a lot of a lot of Christians who want to say something and want to communicate something feel the pressure many times of having to front load it with you know Christian metaphor and and Bible verses and all the stuff, and yet fiction is such a beautiful uh, backdoor, if you will, to to people's heart to be able to get them to to talk about and realize issues uh, of faith and life and purpose that that maybe they wouldn't you know, otherwise do. So what was that like for you? Was that a wrestling moment for you or was that always a natural thing and um, for you in that process? Well, I think it was really natural. Um, I I think that um, while the story is a book of fiction, I, of course, first and foremost, I drew on the places that I knew, New Mexico yeah. and the Ozarks. These are places that I knew. They, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that the story was about me, but it was set in places that I knew and understood. I wanted it to have realism and, and grounded in, in something that readers could relate to. Yeah. Um, and so, so it was a very easy thing to do. And the, the fiction, I like what you just said about uh, what C.S. Lewis said. I had never heard that quote, but yeah, I, I'm not a reader of quotation marks, Christian books. I mean, I do read one or two or, well, I probably read five or six a year. Um, Sometimes they become repetitive. Sometimes they're very instructive. Frequently, they're illuminating um, and they're thought provoking. But the engagement through that medium is not the same as the engagement through fiction. Mm. Um, If I can illustrate what I consider to be truths of the human spirit and truths of uh, relative to how God works in our life through stories of people. I think it brings it home. And sometimes it sneaks up on you because you'll be reading about characters and, and what they're doing. And then it's even without quoting any Bible or any, uh, any, any references to the Bible or anything that's remotely theological all of a sudden something emerges. Yeah, that's that was the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah. Or 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 conversely, wow, that was the wrong thing to do. And so it puts the reader in a position of, I think, just experiencing the Lord along with the characters. And that's why it's um it's for me, it's a happy medium. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, man, you've done a great job. It's a beautiful, uh, it is a beautiful book. Uh just for those of you on YouTube, you can see it. It's a it's a large volume. It's beautiful. It feels good. It, it's one of those kind of ones that you want to you want to grab and read. And uh, I know folks are going to want to grab it. So, where's the best place people can go to to get the book and uh, and to start reading it for themselves? Well, it's available on my website, which is uh, MichaelDutyBooks.com. Right. Um, and that that comes directly from the publisher. And that's that's a very easy way to do it. MichaelDutyBooks.com. Um, it's also available on Amazon. I guess everything's available on Amazon, <laughs> whether, you, whether you want it to be or not. But it's fine with me. It's available on Amazon, and it's also available in um, Kindle form on uh, uh, e- uh, what do they call it e version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Amazon, and that's that's the places to get the book. It's available. It's starting to show up in some bookstores. Nice. Um, I've got it. I've got it uh, in a couple of bookstores, and I'm going to travel. In fact, to Rogers, Arkansas, on uh, June the third, to have a book signing at a bookstore there, because that's the town that the 
book is set in. Oh, exciting. Exciting. Yeah. And so, and, you know, there's been some, well, it's been very popular in that area, mostly because of the setting, partially because some of the people knew me. Yeah. And um, although not very many, mostly it was the setting and the story itself. And so it's uh, been very, and I'm, uh, so it's been very, very well received there. And um, some of the churches are getting involved in getting the book. And so it's nice. been rewarding. And I thought the best thing I can do is go have a book signing and meet the people. That's right. That's right. Well, man, I love what you're doing. I love your heart behind it. And I especially love that in this season of life where so many people are slowing down, you're pressing the gas and you're going for it and doing everything that God's put on your heart to do and, and living a beautiful life. So Michael, thank you so much for taking time today. And um, guys, be sure to to grab the book. You can uh, go to the link that's in the description, either on the podcast or on YouTube and uh, connect with Michael, grab the book and uh, you'll love it and uh, tell your friends about it. And uh, Michael, thanks again for being on and can't wait for that sequel. No pressure. But when you get that one done, we'll have you back and, and talk about that one as well. So that sounds great. I really enjoyed it. Hey, my friend, it's Matt. Listen, just wanted to say thanks for being with me on the podcast today. I hope you'll take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss anything here on the podcast, as well as leave us a review and let us know how much this podcast means to you. Until next time, my friend, I love you. And remember, you were created to thrive. Bye.